When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Barry Odom Coaches Show, brought to you by Parkway Tavern, the official home of the Rebels on the road, and the Barry Odom Coaches Show. Now, here are your hosts, Caleb Herring, Steve Cofield, and the voice of the Rebels, Russ Langer. All right, here we go. Live show here, Parkway Tavern. Barry Odom radio show. Caleb Herring is here. The coach is here. The fans are here at Parkway Tavern. You still have time to come down. We go until 7 o'clock. Got the special on the Miller Lights for just two bucks. Lots to go through from the Michigan game. Looking ahead to the Vanderbilt game. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you guys again this week. And uh, thanks again to Parkway Tavern for for hosting us. And uh, excited that we're into another game week. Into another game week. That's always, I mean, at this point, you're like completely into a new game week. Uh, For the fans listening, how is that transition week to week as the grind starts, putting the last one to bed and getting yeah. ready for the next one. You know, it, it, the way that our schedule lays out, we, the players come in on Sunday. Uh, that's an optional day for them. They, we call it stretch and stride. So the guys that played in the game, they spend a lot of time in the weight room trying to flush physically um, the last game, good, bad, and ugly. This, we, we have a set routine on stretching and rehab and prehab and all those things. Um, as a coaching staff, we jump on it. You know, we're really like the other night, almost a four-hour flight home. We had the film graded before we landed, um, and then we meet Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and then around three o'clock, two thirty to three o'clock, we're moving on to the next opponent. So, you know, our guys, uh, as a staff, we moved on pretty quickly to get on to Vanderbilt, next opponent, and then the first time we see our players uh, is Monday morning. At uh, 6.55, we start with a, with a team meeting, and we, we go through um, some good things, some bad things. Always learn from your experiences. 
uh, from the previous game. We go special teams, and then we go unit, offense, defense together, and then we come back together and we introduce the new opponent, the next opponent, and then we start 30-minute position meeting from there, then we go out and practice. So we practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we have a sprint through on Friday or run through. Um, that Those are the days that we practice. So, uh, you know, everybody structures it a little bit differently. This is the structure that we had uh, at, at Arkansas, which was, you know, kind of a, a, a byproduct of Georgia, which was a byproduct of Alabama. <laughs> um, and, I, and I like it. It's some of the influence that I did at Missouri, but also – you know, you learn from your experiences, like I said, both staff and, and players. And for us, I thought this was the best setup for our, for our staff and for our organization uh, to get the most out of every opportunity that we have. And, and uh, so far into now going into week three, I think it fits for, for what we need. Yeah, so the transition, obviously moving on to the next opponent. But you did have an opportunity, and I think the team had an opportunity to learn a little bit about themselves while learning about the number two team in the nation in Michigan. What were your impressions of the football team that was Michigan Wolverines? I think they're really good in a, in a lot of areas. Not, you know, I really, and I said this last week, I couldn't find a lot of weaknesses with their, with their offense, defense kicking on film, and I felt the same way leaving the game. Uh, they're built the right way. They look like a playoff team. Um, I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought the quarterback played at an elite level, and he has now for two weeks, and I would suggest he will for the rest of the season if they can keep him healthy. They've got really good skill on the outsides, and then defensively, uh, if you look at how they're built from front back, you know, they're rotating so many defensive linemen in there, and you didn't really see a drop-off. So, you know, they're 27-3 and in the last two years for a reason. Um I would I would suggest that they'll have another great run this year. I think Harbaugh's done a hell of a job on building that roster, on putting together a team um, that has a chance to win a championship. So this also was your first time with this group hitting the road, and I, that's always a project, and we get to see it a little bit. The itinerary is down to a science like we always see. How is it operationally for you getting this team of however many traveled and the operation up to Michigan? Yeah, other than there being a delay because there was no air conditioning on the plane, uh, you adjust from there. There's always going to be things that, that you don't foresee to happen, but you better have a plan in place. So, you know, we were delayed about an hour and a half or two hours getting there. Um, you know, and I thought our, our team of, you know, operations and all the folks that went into preparing and planning the trip, I thought they did a great job on having, well, okay, what's the answer for this problem? Um, and, and our kids, they adjusted pretty well. I had talked about that something's not going to go right. This my experience is in the last 20 years, you know, the windshield wiper's not going to work or the air conditioner's not going to happen <laughs> or we're going to lose electricity at the hotel. All things that have happened over my career, you just got to expect those things. You don't control them, adjust, and uh, we'll get there at some point and be ready to go play. That AC was rough. It got me ready for the weekend. I, I think I lost about five pounds, but then we went out to eat a lot and had a lot of pizza, so probably put it back on pretty uh, – not healthily. Um, I know you wanted to ask about this, but I'm going to steal it, about the tunnel. That, it's kind of a unique situation at that old stadium that they just have one tunnel. You and I kind of experienced it in a weird situation where I didn't want to get you trampled for the halftime conversation. Did you notice what was going on? Yeah, I, well, I saw sort of the Coach Odom orchestrator down right. on the sideline trying to get the guys going. Right. I don't know if it was – 
the visiting team gets to go first and they don't get to go in until you clear? Right. Was that something you were briefed on before the, the yeah, game kicked off? They, they always send, you know, if you're in a away game, they send a timing sheet and who's supposed to enter the game first to, you know, to, to start the game. Halftime, what that's supposed to look like. Normally it's not a big deal, but this week obviously it was because their locker room door entry and exit faced our locker room entry and exit. So, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, very well known. They've had some issues over the years there with that situation. So um, I wanted to make sure we didn't have any of that. Um, it's a little bit strange um, because you're working and coordinating together. And if anybody's 30 seconds off on their planning, then it throws off your schedule. Uh, same thing when we arrived at the stadium. We were right on time, but you know, for whatever reason, they kept us out on the road for another 15 minutes uh, with a police escort. So, anyway, you, you adjust with those things um, and learn over time that those things are going to happen. You know, and I, th- I, th- I thought the event staff at Michigan did a, did a great job on making sure everybody stayed where they were supposed to. I was just trying to do my job on what the timing sheet said when yeah. we were coming <laughs> off at halftime. And then you and I were speaking there in the tunnel. I was like, wait a minute, oh, no. I think I'm – I don't think I can be here because yeah. they're about to come on into the into the stadium so or into the uh, tunnel. Anyway, it worked out. I yeah. always have learned the great ones adjust, and we adjusted. You're, you're right? a great so one because we, you actually you <laughs> answered my next question. You're like, I'm going to just take it, okay? I'll answer two questions, and then I'm bailing. And I actually I quit on us. I feel bad because I could feel the steps, and I was like, okay, thanks. And well, I we walked were, away. You were still finishing. We were both looking over our shoulder, like we've first. got to get out of the way, and then. I knew I'm out of shape, and I knew I had to run <laughs> oh, up that hill. Yep. I was like, i got to get in and talk to my guys. And uh, You can't anyway. go in front of them all gassed up. Yeah, let's go. Like, like gassed out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Not a good look. Yeah, trust me, that ramp is nothing to uh, nothing compared that to. Was a, uh, that was surprising, wasn't it? Well, it didn't look it, but it was, no, it was a steady good. climb. It was pretty good, yeah. yeah. In New Mexico basketball, they have, a, they have a ramp where I legitimately cannot breathe. <laughs> I try to go up to talk to Kevin Kruger, and I'm like, I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. So that was one of the interesting things about the stadium. What did you think about the stadium? Like, do you still enjoy the experience of seeing, you know, an old you know, house like that? You know what, man? I, I love college football. And um, any time that you can get into an arena like that, um, you take some of it in. I mean, historically, the big house, you, you, everybody that follows college football knows about that. And, uh, you know, they, they announced 109-whatever-thousand people there. Uh, you could, you know, the tailgating, pulling up to the stadium, it, it felt right. It, it, was a, it was a great feeling. Um, so, you know, credit to them. They, they understand it. They understand uh, that they've got a really good football team. And um, I'm sure, you know, down the course of the season, I, I wish them great success. And, you know, we weren't good enough on that Saturday to beat the number two team at their place. You you saw and I saw some of the the fans of UNLV that made the trip. Some yeah. of the family members that were there. I know I saw Cam Oliver with his dad just briefly visiting in the hotel room. What what is it like to see and have your fans have an opportunity? Is there a chance for you to engage them in those moments? Isn't that awesome that that we've got enough uh, support that they would take a trip and and financially make um, you know the commitment to travel to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I'm so thankful for that. And uh, you know I. I I feel responsible for this program in a number of ways. One of them is fan support for our student athletes. And to see that we had a following there, families or not, whatever they were, um, I was so excited that, that we had a presence. And that's only going to continue to build. 
I understand that, you know, winning drives everything, and uh, we're going to continue to get there to build this program in the way that it should be. It was fun. We, we got to experience it, too, out on the town the, the night before the game where some Rebel fans came in and took over one of the local bars, and they were chanting you know, the Rebel fight song in there. So that was pretty awesome. How did the players – I had this, this kind of thought as I was in the press box watching the game, calling out the aforementioned Cam Oliver's name and just hearing his name come over to the loudspeaker and knowing his dad was in attendance. Like you said, that college football fan and everybody. Yeah. It's like that's so cool to hear your name called in front of all these people like that. Isn't that awesome? And I, and I told the guys, and, I, you know, I've seen it since the game was over. I think we're the third or fourth most watched game in college football last weekend. You know, we, we need to create that brand that um, is known nationally. And then you, you have to, as a competitor, you have to embrace that. I mean, any, whatever station we were on, uh, CBS, it didn't matter if you were in Seattle, Washington, or Miami, Florida, you turned on CBS at that time frame you were watching the Rebels. And uh, we'll get back to that stage, and when we do, uh, we're going to be better and a better football team. And, and I told the guys on, on uh, Monday, you know, we're training to get – we're chasing Michigan. That's what we're doing. And I'm not afraid to run from that or, you know, and, you, know you can't say that. No, why not? That's what we want to be. I mean, they're, they're conference champions. They've been in the playoffs the last two years. they got – you know, sold-out crowd, that's what we're chasing, and that's, that's okay. Uh, we know where we stand. We know where we got to get to and how we're going to get there. I'm not ever going to back down from that. So talking about the game itself and in between the lines, Michigan is, is different. Like, they're number two, obviously, those things, the, the outside rankings and all that stuff. But as a football team, they present different challenges, and I was kind of spinning my wheels on how different that challenge is from maybe the challenges you'll see in conference play or on a regular basis throughout the season. I thought, you know, I talked to their staff before the game on the field, and I, you know, you always try to get a little bit of feel on what what they're thinking as a as an organization. And I knew that they wanted to establish the run game. You could feel that, and and they were able to, and and they knew that one of our priorities was running the ball, and and they were going to be sold out on controlling the line of scrimmage um you know so you look at those things and i and i think we're close to having a chance to being able to compete at that stage we're not built just yet to go and win that game um but we will be in in very short order you look at the things on what they were able to eliminate from our playbook um, we had to make adjustments to stay in the game. Um, they, they were able to convert on third downs, and they controlled the line of scrimmage, um, which really suffocated the game and took the air out of it, and they were in control from, from pretty early on. Up next, we're going to talk about how the Rebels stood up uh, physically against Michigan and then start looking ahead to this Vanderbilt game. It's this weekend, a 4 o'clock start. At Allegiant, you can get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. We go to break uh, right now. You're listening to the Barry Odom Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Rolling on, Barry Odom Radio Show here at Parkway Tavern on a Wednesday. It's every Wednesday, 6 o'clock, the 215 and Flamingo location. Specials going on right now, $2 on the Miller Lite. So we got uh, 43 minutes to... Uh, get through a little more of the Michigan game and 
what you get out of a Michigan game and also look ahead to Vanderbilt. Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, the coaches here. I want to remind Rebel fans, Lake Mead still at historic lows. Change, or change your watering clock to three assigned days per week now through October. It's the law. Find your mandatory fall watering days at snwa.com. We were just talking going to the break about the physicality and you know, maybe the chance that you get intimidated. I don't think that happened. And I can tell you, frank, frankly, the smallest guy on the field on both teams, Jacob de Jesus, he didn't look intimidated at all. This was one of the great plays of the uh, day for you guys on special teams. Pressure there. De Jesus tech is grits at the 17, breaks three tackles, running to the far side, 25-30 to the sideline, 35 ahead of the 38-yard line. Excellent run back by Jacob de Jesus. You look at that um, punt return, or kick return, and, you know, there was a ranking that came out this week. Uh, I don't remember exactly who put it out, but right now in, in college football, our special teams is ranked number one efficiency in all of college football. And, um, you know, the challenge is to be number one at the end of the next 12 games, 11 games, 10 games, whatever it is. Um, and our guys are starting to embrace that opportunity, and they understand we've got a – I think we have an elite returner. Um, he's got a feel for it. He's natural with it. He needs a small crease to be able to make something happen. So if you're on the punt return or the kick return game for us, you know, they're taking it personal and, hey, let's give this guy – let's give him a chance. Let's give him an opportunity because, you know, now for two weeks he's creating plays, and it's obviously impactful for our team. I had a coach that used to say, be the block that springs him when you had a special guy like Jacob is in the back end. But there's also a flip side of that. And, you know, I start to look ahead at things. I can see how explosive and dangerous he is. And I think other teams with the small sample size that he's had can see it too. Is there sort of a contingency plan for if they start to, let's say, kick it away from him or play keep away from him in the kicking game? Yeah, you can always go in a two-returner look. You can do a number of things on putting guys back there. Um, that's the goal. You want them to get in a position that they're having a game plan that they're spending time on, which they normally wouldn't do, to try to take away our return game. And if you do that, then that's great because they're spending time when they could be spending time on something else. So, um, you know, our goal is continue in the punt return game to give our offense a first down. Uh, so we want to get a 10-yard return. And then in the kick game and kickoff return, we think we can be impactful. We don't, want to, we don't want to take touchbacks. We want to catch the ball, get great blocks, and go get as much as we can get. You touched on it, his, his Jacobs in specific, his mental approach to the game. Like it's not just he gets the ball and he makes a play. It's like I'm thinking when should I catch it? When should I prevent those hidden yards on the bounce? Yep. There was a situation as well where he there's a punt where he there was a penalty, he caught it on the five yard line. I saw there was a coaching point on the side like, hey, that's one of those points where hey be smart about that. Let that one go getting in yep. the end zone. You go back to week one when he did such a great job in the red zone punt area, he disguised and drew the return game or the, the coverage game all the way over and the ball ended up in the end zone. So he is a savvy player, and he knew immediately on that play at Michigan, he's like, I should have let that one go. Um, but he got a little bit lost on, on the yardage where he, you know, the eight-yard line where we had it lined up. He backed up a little bit, filled the ball. So, so we went ahead and declined that penalty. I wanted to punt it again, and it ended up we gained like 14 yards off of having them punt again. You, uh, you talked earlier about J.J. McCarthy and, and his performance, and I'm sure it was emotional 
at the beginning of the game. I don't know if it was emotional throughout the game. Had you, had you known about the relationship that he had with Ryan Keeler going all the way back to high school and actually uh, junior football? Yeah, I, I didn't know it went back to junior ball. I knew they had played high school together. And, uh, you know, then obviously it was publicized a little bit on, on uh, the impact of going into the game on what that looked like, you know, in, in his world. And, uh, you know, I, I know that in, in the short time that I had a chance to be around Ryan, uh, it was impactful to everybody, you know, and, and it doesn't surprise me that uh, J.J. had such a strong feeling um, because of their relationship. And I think, you know, the way that uh, he honored him on that day, um, you know, that, that, that meant something to me and, and obviously to our program. You talk about him as a person, as a player. Where does he rank, I guess, if you could? You played probably against some, some really elite quarterbacks throughout your career. Where would he rank as, as far as his progression, where he is, and tra- the trajectory of what he could become? Um, that's, a, that's a difficult question to answer uh, because I know I'll leave somebody out, so I'm not going to say names um, specifically, but he is as good as I've seen live and in person. Um, calm presence make every throw on the field able to extend plays then also i was almost i was so ready to challenge the one when he scrambled i thought he was over the line of scrimmage and everybody was screaming he was over the line of scrimmage and i'm glad i didn't because he wasn't uh but just the 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 feel of the game and then he's got an elite arm skill set level um i think he's one of the best ones in college football and they also did things to help him structurally. I think one of the things that is it's almost rare now is like they call it traditional football where it's like, you know, five linemen, two tight end sets and only two men in the route downfield. But those things now are hard to guard. How hard is it to prepare with a talented quarterback for that kind of structured defensive? Well, you look at they, they did everything. And, and usually when a team does everything, they do a few things pretty good and they do some things not, not worth spending time on they did everything good and that's a credit to their staff that's also a credit to the skill set of the players that they have but you know there were times we knew exactly what they were going to do and we couldn't stop it and that's a bad feeling um because a lot of it revolved around the quarterback play we're live at parkway tavern make sure you take advantage of uh, game day specials like uh, five bucks on miller light and Coors light drafts Six bucks on uh, Fireball. I like that. Uh, Kettle one. And then they got the uh, football food pack, two pizzas, 20 wings, and a pitcher of beer for one low price. There were some high points in the game, including on defense, where uh, you guys had a fourth down stop. So let's listen to uh, Russ here on the call. Shotgun on fourth and a yard and a half from the Rebel 18. Rebels trying to stack up in the, in the middle. The hand up is to Corum. Go straight ahead. The Rebels are saying no. Michigan saying yes. We'll see what the officials say. We'll see where the final spot is. It's going to require a measurement. And actually, the he refs aren't him. going to. It's a fourth down stop here for UNLV. That was big at the time of the game. You know, we, we sure needed that because they had driven down the field and, and you know, in the point that, oh, uh, really the doors could have opened up, you know, had they went in and scored there. So that was, that was a great stop by our defense. And, and we did so many good things on first and second down. We just weren't very good on third downs. You know, getting off the field, that's been a huge emphasis this week. But, uh, you know, our, our guys were starting to uh, – we got an understanding really on who we are, how we can call it, how much pressure, how much zone, how much man. And, uh, you know, I expect our defense to continue 
continue to make strides to help us play winning football. When you have plays like that, we, there's always that film session where you go and you find the good, find the bad, and then move on from it. Those kinds of plays, especially in that scenario, is that like an extra emphasis thing the next week in film? You know, it's, it's uh, interesting you say that because on Monday when I've got the team together, I'm going to always show them two plays on offense, two plays on defense, two on kicking, and I want to emphasize things that are positive but also the reason why they happened, okay? In that situation, it was because of the interior penetration that A was able to make the ball try to start to bounce. Um, so that's a huge emphasis for us on understanding really within the game on there's always reasons and lessons why. Okay, how did we get that stop? Here's, here's how it happened. The play call was good, but then the execution by our kids were really, really good. Get your tickets for the Vandy game this weekend. You and I will be hosting an SEC team that is 4 o'clock on Saturday. You can grab the tickets for the game at Allegiant at UNLVtickets.com. On the way back, let's uh, get into the defense a little bit more. Uh, some shining moments to uh, point to and analyze and look forward to against Vanderbilt. This is the Barry Odom Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Halfway point of the Barry Odom Radio Show, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring. We're here at Parkway Tavern, 215 and Flamingo. This is the UNLV uh, home on the road, so make sure you check out all the home games and the road games. This part of the show is brought to you by uh, EOS Fitness. Up your gym game at EOS Fitness, a proud partner of UNLV. Join today for as low as $9.99 per month. Go visit online or join or go to joineos.com. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. We're going to talk to Todd Martinson here in just a couple seconds, but I know, Caleb, you want to – we talk about the defense. You wanted to talk about some of the linebacker play? Yeah, I think linebacker is one of the most fascinating positions in football. You know that. Not to stroke your ego there or nothing, but uh, you said something in the postgame about, or maybe it was halftime, but you said something about the linebackers and how they're maybe a foot or a step short on some of the, the drops in the passing game. And as a quarterback, I, I saw that, and I was like, you know, there's things that I like to see on certain routes from a linebacker that I could take advantage of. What are some of the ways, particularly in play-action pass, for linebackers to react and recover yeah. to the pass game. The way that things go in today's world of college football with the RPO world, I think it's one of the most difficult positions to play to be right every time. So there were some things the other day in our zone concepts we wanted that end up turns into man coverage schematics. But because of some of the actions we were getting, we were a step or a half a step away. And when you have an elite quarterback able to take advantage of that, we just finally eventually went to, hey, that's not what – let's just go straight man. And, uh, you know, then we started playing a little bit better defensively. Um, but there's a – because of the way that the rules are and the way the, the skill set on the offense now with the RPO world, you can get – a false read as a linebacker if you're you know you've got to fill the b gap but also if you got the tight end that if he sits over and becomes the number three receiver so you're putting in conflict that position which makes it a little more difficult but uh, jackson woodard has played really really well in two weeks i'm excited about the progress that he's made he's very very productive and we needed that out of that spot uh, McDuffie has done the same way, and I think we've got a number of guys that are coming on that are going to really help us at that spot. I remember when I first started playing, it was as simple for linebackers as 
after play action, find the drag and get underneath it. Like, that was, like, pretty much all you had to do with play action. Now, like you said, the game has evolved to a level where that it's like rocket science trying to figure out what the offenses are doing sometimes. I wish we could go back to what you were talking about in the first part of that sentence. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, when I played, it was you got to stop the power, the counter, the speed option, the load option. And then if it's a pass, you're just like a bonus guy. But that, that's not it anymore. You've got to be, be right because if you're not – uh, you get exposed really quickly. So let's talk to Tad Martinson, and actually Caleb did. He's got a long interview. We'll have it all posted over social media. Um, very interesting conversation. Uh, his new feature is called Under the Helmet, and a lot of it is about football, but also about the, uh, the man themselves, uh, where they came from, their interest. Uh, this part of the conversation with Tad, who's a defensive lineman, a former walk-on, has really won over the staff. Uh, Caleb asked him, you know, what's it like to play for Ricky Logo? He's very experienced in the coaching world, and it's just it's amazing how much knowledge he knows of the game. And just from a D-line, D-lineman perspective, uh, he's definitely uh, sharpened my skills on the field, and that's where I've gotten to this, uh, the position of starting. It's because of him. He gave me the chance. He gave me the tools I needed to work with. I mean, he's just a really good person and an amazing coach. Visiting with Tatua mm-hmm. Martinson, UNLV football defensive lineman. What's your favorite NFL team to watch on Sundays? Uh, the Raiders. I love the Raiders. Yeah, my dad grew up a Raider fan. Uh, actually, my mom's side, I would say, is the Niner fan. But I was always with my dad going to Raider games, so I grew up a Raider fan. So does your dad have any plans to come out maybe maybe this Saturday to the game against Vanderbilt, come out to the game and then try oh, yeah. to catch a Raider game on the next day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's done that uh, multiple times last year. He would catch our game on Saturday and then the next day catch a Raider game. I'm going to try to – poke the competitive bear here who's the the best athlete you said your brother's player who's the best athlete in your house back home oh besides me <laughs> my little brother i would say he's uh he's uh also a walk-on at san jose state we compete all the time he's always trying to outdo me in the weight room and on the field i still got the weight room part on him but <laughs> i think he's a little bit faster than me i, I can admit that Okay, so you're looking forward to that game on, on the calendar, uh-huh. right, San Jose State? Oh, yeah, November 25th. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put your mom on blast here, your parents on blast. Who are they going to be rooting for on that day? Oh, <laughs> I think they'll probably split up. They'll have one, one pair on one sideline, another pair on the other sideline, you know. They, gotta, they, they can't choose. They got to be split up or, I don't know, maybe they might just sit in the middle and just, you know, root for both, root both sides. A good conversation with Tat. Uh, he... One of those personalities, again, you get to know these guys a little bit more just from small conversations, things you wouldn't have known. He's from a big family, that competition. I'm also from a big family. I know how that goes. But uh, when you talk to a guy like him, when you see his story and Coach Logo and his teammates, his fellow defensive linemen have raved about him all offseason, about how strong he is and how locked in he is as a player. Is that some of the things you've seen from him as a head coach? Yeah, absolutely. Tat's done a tremendous job since we've been here, and he's earned every opportunity that he's gotten. And... um you know, he's, he's been, uh, as we were talking about linebackers in the last segment, you know, if you look at from a linebacker standpoint and scope, you can count on Tat being where he's supposed to be. And that is tremendously valuable in, in the way that we've got our defensive structure set up. And uh, he keeps getting better and better, and he's playing really good ball for us right now. You know, one of the stories we've covered before uh, is the changeover from coaching staff to coaching staff. And I know Caleb went through it, so he has a good perspective on it. But I, I got to say, there have been some really good stories that have emerged. 
And, uh, again, I'll give you credit. You said, hey, everyone's going to have a shot. And it, it shows. Like, everyone has a shot. There were guys who just were not going to play for the previous coaching staff for whatever reason. And now, they've, now they're really valuable guys in your rotations. Yeah, you look at, and, and um, I think it's important that as long as you're a player and you know that you've got an opportunity, um, then they're going to give you everything they have. And if you ever close that door, then the you're going to struggle to get the best version of who that person can be. So I think it's wise. And, and we're going to have a number of guys over the course of the next 10 weeks that step up and like, oh, wait a minute, where'd, where'd this guy come from? Right. But it's the developmental phase of the program. You know, we had a, a group in this morning at 545 lifting. That's our developmental group. And there's a few guys in, in that group that every day out on scout team or the look squad, they keep making plays and they're earning their opportunity that they're going to play before the season's over, and they're going to play winning football. For you, how scary was the changeover? It's always scary. I think there's two different ways you can go. You can go into a hole and say, well, the guys that recruited me are gone or the guys that liked me are gone, and there's no point in continuing. And like Coach said, that door closes for you, and through reasons that are not your own, you, you give up a little bit on yourself. Then there's the flip side, which we've heard players like Tat like Marcus Miller, like Jeray Williams, who said, this is a new opportunity. Like, a new coaching staff is just an opportunity for, for me to again to bust open the door, maybe that was closed before, and put it all on film and, and gain the trust and gain the respect and gain the honor of getting on the field. And it's a scary thing, though. And I think that's, in today's game especially, the transition for players is, is out of control to some degree. And It is. And I, and I had, as a player, luckily, Larry Smith was my head coach, and he was there all four years. But I also had two different position coaches. I had two different coordinators. I mean, the feeling of that, um, you know, that's hard on kids. That's hard on student-athletes. And if we can eliminate that part of it and just coach them and just teach them and just be leaders and mentors for them and allow them to grow in the organization, then they're going to have a chance to be successful. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the run game. I know you feel it's really important to get things going again. Like in game one, we're going to talk to Imani Trick Wright as well as you're listening to the Barry Odom Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Parkway Tavern, Flamingo 215, home of the Barry Odom Radio Show. We are live right now. Caleb Herring, Steve Cofield. So moving forward, you need to run the ball consistently. You said that uh, to win games, and you're going to have to do it against Vanderbilt. So... Grade the run game. It wound up, I think, 31 carries for 61 yards. He had a couple of effective moments. So what do you see in that Michigan game? And I, I, I don't want to sit here and just chalk it up to, yeah. hey, they, they were just big and strong. No, I think there were, there were some opportunities we had that we missed on uh, sustaining blocks, on really at the point of attack on what we needed to do to establish that. Um, and also you look at, you know, the number of yardage we lost in sacks, obviously took away from that. Yeah. But um, for us to have – the best opportunity to play efficiently on offense, we've got to run the ball. And our staff knows it. Our opponent is going to know it. Our kids most certainly know it. And uh, we have got to and, – and it doesn't have to be – you know, we don't have to gain 10 yards at a pot. We need to gain – we need to be able to get four yards and line up and it's second down and six and manageable. And then you get another four and it's third and two and now you're playing winning football. I was just talking to you during the break about players and accountability and, and vocalizing that and, and how important it is. And we have a couple of bites here from Amani Trigg Wright, 
the right guard for you guys. And uh, during the press conference on Monday, he came right out and he said, hey, you know, not good enough. He talked about the run performance. Absolutely. Uh, especially coming off this Michigan, this Michigan loss, man. Uh, I, I take a lot of pride in being able to run the ball and being, being able to be dominant in the run game. I told the guys, man, it was unacceptable to be able to, to lose the way we did. We didn't create enough lanes for our backs, for our playmakers. Um, and then coming into Vanderbilt, we know that's a good team. SEC ball, going to be strong up front. Um, these are some good guys we're going against. And I challenged the O-line and myself to move the line of scrimmage, to be consistent in the run game, which opens up a lot more plays for us. So, yes, um, after this Michigan loss, yeah, we, we're looking to, to be much better in the run game. All game on the sideline, man, I was, you know, being vocal, being positive, trying to get our guys going. Um, like I said, we didn't play the way we wanted to. And it forced Doug to do, to try to be the hero, to put on a cape when he shouldn't have to. We have to be able to be consistent. So, I, like I said, I mean, I, during the game, I challenged the guys. And then after, after the game, I sent the text out to the guys just saying, look, we have to be better. We will get better moving forward. And it's our responsibility to keep Doug clean so he can get the ball to these playmakers. And when that happens, I mean, we're special. How important is that? And what's your reaction to hearing, you know, player-led action? That's awesome. And I, and I think that uh, Trig has shown that throughout the course of when we've started the season in fall camp. Uh, he was vocal this week. But also the standard of what he knows it's supposed to be and look like, um, he's looking in the mirror as well, and he's able to admit that. And, and that takes – that's a special dude, and there's a reason he was voted team captain. Um, he is he is playing at, at a really good level. He understands that how well we play up front will dictate how we play on offense, and he's taking that personal, and, and I appreciate it and respect it. In a game like the Michigan game, how important is it to get some positive momentum, You know, see some things on film that go your way? Yeah, I think it's hugely important. I mean, you point out, you know, it's always easy to – uh, point out after a loss on on the things that didn't go well, but you know there were things that that we created throughout the course of the game that you can build on, and you've got to take that and and not to sugarcoat it, uh, but also these are the facts. This is what happened. These are some things that we did well. These are obviously things we need to work on, and then move on to the next one. Here's one of those good moments as uh, Jare Williams comes up with a pick. Pass over the middle, intercepted by the Rebels. It is picked off, and it's Jeray Williams to return it a couple of yards. Rebels get a big turnover right there. A couple of plays like that down the stretch. That pick, some other plays, not just the X's and O's side, but the mentality side and the fight of guys down the stretch in a game that's all but decided. How does that, as a coach, how does that resonate with you? You know, the one thing I really looked at, and I took a step back in the fourth quarter, um, when the game was basically decided you don't want to say that as a coach but it was and but I wanted to really evaluate what was our body language what was our sideline demeanor how were we finishing blocks how were we finishing runs how were we running to the football and I did not see anything differently on the effort than than what I wanted to see so that that's uh, you know something I pointed out to our team uh, hopefully we're not in any more of those situations where it's in the fourth quarter and we're you know, the game is decided uh, on, the, on the wrong end of those things. But, uh, but I did think that our guys tried to execute and they tried to uphold the standard of how to play the game. All right, Rebel fans, it's time for the coaches. Look ahead. It's presented by Pueblo Medical Imaging. Caleb, I know you wanted to ask about 
you know, working off these first two opponents, getting ready for Vandy. Yeah, I think this, this first season for you as a head coach, you're trying to really get to know your team as an in-game team, what, they, what they're like in games. And the first two games, really, the way, they, the way the results ended up happening, you may have a hard time getting a good barometer of where your team is at. Is that the case for you, or do you have a pretty good sense of what your team is and who they are identity-wise? Well, I think we'll always learn about our team as the season continues to, to grow, but the one thing that, that is going to be a huge challenge for our team this week, the guys that are not on the field, so the guys that are not one of the 11 guys on the field, the, the excitement and the energy that they need to bring on the sidelines, uh, we need to be off the charts. And we were not week one, and we addressed it. Obviously, week two is different because you're away from home, so it's a smaller group. But we're taking 107 guys, that's what we've got on our roster, into Allegiant Stadium on Saturday, and it needs to be a frenzy on the sideline, emotionally cheering on our teammates. Do you feel that that energy is something that can build through the audience? Is it like, Absolutely. Like, like the big play, like you look at if we get a, a touchback on our kickoff coverage, I've told our guys, Coach Chivas has told them, celebrate with the fans. Uh, yeah. We need that feeling. We need that to go throughout the stadium. And that's, you know, everybody – from head coach down to whatever the role is, you've got a role in game day. And it's not to sit there and eat hot dogs and watch the game. <laughs> it's to be involved in the game to help our team win. The uh, Coach's Look Ahead is brought to you by Pueblo Medical Imaging. The friendly staff at Pueblo Medical Imaging is eager to take care of all of your radiology needs and offers same-day, next-day availability with top-of-the-line state-of-the-art equipment. They're open seven days a week with early morning and evening appointments to accommodate all patient schedules. We get to Vandy. I know we've been saying it for a while, but we'll uh, preview the uh, Vanderbilt side of things uh, up in two minutes. You're listening to the Barry Odom Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Last eight minutes of the Barry Odom Radio Show. We get ready for Vanderbilt. UNLV taking on Vanderbilt. The home game SEC team is in town. He actually took the first half of the home and home. That was a really good victory uh, four years back. Uh, Vanderbilt's a better team now, so we're going to break them down. But uh, you know, I know you mentioned coming out of a game like Michigan, you just you want to come out healthy. Like you want to perform well, but just make sure you don't get beat up. Um, Doug Brumfield's okay, right? He got sacked a couple times, got hit hard a couple of times. He did. You know, there was a moment, and he kind of got the high-low sack, and uh, it did not look good. Um, and he stood up, and I don't know exactly what he was looking for, but we, we connected eyes, and I gave him the thumbs up. Hopefully, I said, hey, you okay? And he gave me double thumbs up, and it's like, okay, let's go to the next play. So I thought, you know, a lot of that has to do with our off-season conditioning, uh, of our team, the strength and conditioning gains that we've made. Uh, it was a physical, physical game. Um, it, but but our, our guys responded. And we've had a another – our Tuesday and Wednesday practice uh, are as physical as you can be. And uh, we want to establish what that is in our program because eventually we're going to break down the wall – and we're going to be able to physically impose our will on our opponent. And uh, our guys have responded. It's been a really good week. They're excited about having a chance to play at home. Your original starting left tackle and left guard, uh, Macahelly at left guard, and Jalen St. John in from Arkansas at left tackle. They're getting healthier. 
So I'm sure it's going to be a, a game-time decision. I do, got, I do have to point out, though, and you know I'm big on the offensive line and also the, the PFF ratings, Anton Embuel filling in uh, actually is by PFF the highest-rated offensive lineman through two games. I mean, that's, this is becoming a nice luxury to have if you can get the other big fellows healthy. You know, um, Ambio has stepped in and played really well. And, uh, you know, Coach Vice has done a nice job on continuing to develop him, but also he's taken ownership in playing that spot on how important that position is. And he's played really well for the last, you know, the opportunities he's had the last two weeks. He's earned the chance that, you know, no matter who we have healthy and back, he's going to keep playing for us in, in some role. And talking about now switching over to the opponent now, looking ahead to – what Vanderbilt has to offer and what kind of challenge do they offer. A.J. Swan is their quarterback. He's a guy that they've professed has been inconsistent throughout the season, but he's figured it out at times and given glimpses of how maybe potentially the passing game for the Commodores could be dangerous. Is that something you've seen on film? Absolutely. He's got, he's got a, a, a very talented arm, um, and then they've got some real skill around him. They've got you know four guys that jump out on film uh, at least four that jump out to like, okay, they're, they're finding ways creatively to get them the ball, run game, pass game, down the field, in the perimeter game. Um, very, very impressive. You know, the, the offensive way that they go and attack uh, poses some problems, and it's all built around how the quarterback has played. Uh, we've got to do a great job of disrupting that. We've got to get him out of his comfort zone. We've got to move him off the spot. Uh, but they've got some playmakers. They get the ball in their hand. They can create problems. And they're led by Will Shepard in that regard as far as one of their playmakers. Six touchdowns on the season so far. Has he risen to the level where it's like, okay, he may be a game plan changer. Like, we have to really account for him specifically? You've got to. And, I mean, anybody that scored six touchdowns now and, and you know, they've played three games. But um, he's got the skill set. He's got the size. Uh, they're going to get him in a one-on-one matchup. You've got to understand where he is on the field, what they're trying to do by his split and alignment. And uh, I think he's a terrific player. On both sides of the ball, all the skill, all the fancy stuff on the edges is great, but the battle in the trenches. On both sides of the ball, what kind of challenges does this team present? Yeah, I mean, they're built, you know, um, they're built like an SEC team. I think Clark has done a nice job on developing the depth, recruiting the depth on what he wants it to look like inside. They're big people uh, up front on the defensive line. They've got, they've got good speed on the outside perimeter wise on the rush game defensive line wise they're active in the linebacker spots they're bigger players in the back end secondary wise longer guys that can run and then the offensive line looks like an sec offensive line barry on radio show wrapping up here in just a couple minutes uh one more thing we want to address and i know you've done it multiple times but for this audience we talked about the crowd noise and you talked about the crowd noise that you could be facing at michigan you you trained for that you played or you uh you had the loudspeakers going at practice I know your goal is eventually to have a Legion, which is a beautiful stadium. And let me tell you, for the Raiders games, man, when it gets loud in there, it is really tough. That, that yeah. is a goal that you're striving for, right? Absolutely. We, we've got to turn it into that, that when somebody is traveling to play UNLV in Allegiant, that it is something that causes concern for them. And that's so important. And the, uh, the way that that can happen, we've got to play winning football, and the results will help with that, but also – you know, there's enough folks here that care about college football uh, that they can come and watch us play at a very, very reasonable price, and we can get this thing cranked up, and it can be a great place to play home football games. There are fans, and Caleb can speak to this, 
all over Las Vegas who want UNLV to do well. And they, if, they, if they're given a, a little bit, you know, some consistency, yep. they're excited to show up. You yep. know that. On the cusp. They're on the cusp of blowing up and making Allegiant what he said. And it, there's a market here. It's a unique town in the fact that it's a big city with a college inside of it. And that's you look across the country, not many colleges can say that. So right. a unique opportunity. And I, and I feel the responsibility of that, and I do. And, and I, I own it every day, and I, I want and will get this turned into that. Thanks to Parkway Tavern for hosting the show. Coach, thank you. We'll see you on Saturday. Make sure you uh, listen to ESPN. Las Vegas for the broadcast of the game, a 3 o'clock pregame. Now we have a Ted Weems pregame show that lasts an hour. And, of course, you can watch on Big CBS at 4 o'clock. That'll do it. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks, Coach. It's Steve Cofield. We'll see you. You've been listening to the Barry Odom Coaches Show, brought to you by Parkway Tavern, the official home of the Rebels on the road, and the Barry Odom Coaches Show. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebels Sports Network.